Join Rabbi Ari Shishler for some fresh thinking every Thursday from 2 to 3 p.m. 101.9 High FM, 101.9 megahertz of power. Very, very warm welcome to you. Good afternoon. It's Thursday. It is Thursday, and it's not just any Thursday because everybody is looking forward to the fact that tomorrow you have the day off. So that's great. I should have used that as a prize, right? If you gave the right answer to a question, we could give you the day off tomorrow. If you are here for the first time, this is Fresh Thinking every Thursday afternoon. 2 to 3 o'clock in the afternoon, you are with Rabbi Shishla. We're talking about things relevant and things Jewish and things from hopefully a fresh perspective. It's one of those conversations that you can be and should be part of. I'd like you very much to be part of it. Particularly seeing as what we're going to speak about today affects us all. So here's how you join. 34519. That's the SMS line. WhatsApps are on 0621482374. Those are free. As is email on air at chaifm.com. Tweets at chaifm. You can tweet me directly at Rabbi Shish. As a child, I remember we always used to say when people got into a fight and they used to hurl insults at each other and children always used to say in the playground, Sticks and stones might break my bones, but words will never harm me. I'd like to talk about words. I'd like to talk about the power of speech. And I'd love to hear your thoughts because I'm pretty certain if I would ask that as a question, do you agree with that old childhood saying that words will never harm me? I'm pretty sure that most people would say, no way. Words, words can do Terrible, terrible harm. Words can do terrible damage. I'm pretty sure as I'm saying this, you're thinking of situations that happened either to you or to somebody who you know. Perhaps it was a situation at school, perhaps at home, perhaps a colleague, perhaps a loved one. And uh, we, we know, we know what happens. We know that there are entire streams. I was talking to somebody earlier today and they mentioned the fact that there, you know, there's a relative, but that side of the family, there was a break at some point between the, that part of the family and their part of the family. That's what happens in those things often happen just because of words, because of things that were said and the way that they were said and things that were exchanged. So I'm pretty sure that all of us will agree that words are not to be taken lightly. And if you do think that, that that's not the case, well, we can, we can talk about that too. What, what I do wonder about, though, is seeing as we all know the power of words. So I'd like to talk a little bit today about different ways of speaking, and maybe we can flesh, flesh this one out. What, what are you prioritizing? It's like, what are the worst kinds of ways of speaking that a person should avoid at all costs? And what, on the other hand, would be the best way of speaking that a person should embrace with all the power, enthusiasm, will, excitement that they have. Because I think maybe maybe it's not even as relevant in today's world because do people even talk so much anymore? We text. We text a lot. And while the reality is that putting words into text can be very effective, very powerful, especially in the public space, in the social media environment, it's not exactly the same as when you speak. When, when you speak, there's inflection, there's intonation, and sometimes it's not even the words, but it is how the words are said, what the, the tone of those words might have been. And you don't necessarily pick that, that up in text. So seeing as we, our primary means of communication always historically was through speaking, Maybe that's evolved a little bit now or devolved, as you might see it. So the question is, so what, what would you say? What is the worst kind of speaking that a person should try and avoid? We all know that there's certain ways of talk that you should definitely avoid. We all know that it's powerful, that it can make a difference to people. Maybe it makes a difference to yourself, and we can talk about that too. 
And what would you encourage? What would you say is the, the best kind of speaking practice that people should embrace? So if you, if you could kind of write the rules for speaking, what would you say? What goes into the rules of speaking? What are the no-nos? What are the absolutes? What's, uh, what's good stuff? What's good practice? What's bad practice? Let's talk about it. Let's talk about talking. It's something which affects us all, something that affects us on a regular basis. Love to hear your thoughts on that. Join Rabbi Ari Shishler for some fresh thinking every Thursday from 2 to 3 p.m. 101.9 High FM, 101.9 megahertz of power. So we're talking about talking. That's what we're doing. It's something that is part and parcel of all of our lives. So... We, we've got to talk, right? We've got to speak. We need to be able to, to, to converse. We need to be able to communicate. I think sometimes, though, because we, we do talk sometimes without thinking. Is that fair to say? Would you agree that there are people who say things without thinking? Is it fair to say that there's such a thing as a throwaway comment? It might be a throwaway comment for the one who says it. It's generally not a throwaway comment for the one who hears it. Uh, before we go down that route, there were a number of people who responded to my statement right at the beginning. Sticks and stones might break my bones, but words will never harm me. Now, I said I think that everybody will agree that that is not necessarily the quote, uh, the, the case, I should say. I think for a lot of, uh, a lot of people, <laughs> they know very well how much words can hurt. In fact, here on Twitter um, Here's somebody saying It's the biggest lie That we said as kids I don't know what Is the biggest lie I don't know necessarily That I would agree That it's the biggest lie But certainly Certainly not a truth Let's be honest It's not a truth When a person says That uh, sticks and stones Are only what can harm you And words cannot harm you I think people know Very well from personal experience Just how hurtful words Can get Um so where was it? There was another message over here that I wanted to share with you. Here it is. Here somebody is saying that, uh, and I think this is common. I think it's really, really common where a person says, uh, adult parent got children of my own, and yet there are things that were said to me as a child that still come back to haunt me. And we know that. We know that people say things that are cruel. Children say things that are cruel. And people say things not necessarily intending to be cruel, and they land up being cruel. You know, that happens as well. So there's definitely, definitely a need for some kind of awareness and some kind of responsibility around what goes out of our mouths. I was uh, sitting with somebody yesterday. There's a rabbi visiting here from Jerusalem at the moment, and uh, he's collecting for one of the yeshivas in Jerusalem. It's an, an old yeshiva. It's over 100 years old. And he, he, he said, you know, if you look at the, at the way people behave, particularly in the religious world, you find that people are very, very pedantic about what they allow into their mouths. In other words, people who keep a high standard of kosher. So it's not good enough that something appears to be kosher. It has to be certified as being kosher. And then it's not the which is correct. By the way, I'm not in any way saying that that is not how it should be. That is correct. If it's certified as kosher, that's how you know that it's kosher. But then, of course, you'll get people who say, but I don't know if I trust that particular person in their kitchen, and I don't know if I could eat in their house. So there's a tremendous level of, of care and concern that goes towards what comes into our mouths. And so this rabbi was saying, and it's not really his own, it's, it, it is a paraphrase, but the, it's, it's a paraphrase to a story that happened with one of the Hasidic leaders. But the, the bottom line is, he said, 
Are we as careful about what goes out of our mouths as we are about what comes into our mouths? So, in other words, it's accepted as far as Judaism is concerned that you will not allow something to pass your lips on the way in if it is not authorized by the kosher supervising authority. So, here in South Africa, that would be the Beth Din. In other places in the world, it would be whatever their particular kosher authority is. So, there's no way under any circumstances that you would allow something into your mouth if it is not um Passed if it is not uh, approved by that particular organization. So he was saying, and I think he's got a really good point, you should have exactly the same attitude. Don't allow something out of your mouth unless you know that it would be approved by the Kashrut Authority, that it would be approved by the Beth Din. And, I th- you know, it, it's something to be conscious of. I think it's so easy just to talk without thinking. Not saying we never think when we talk, but it is easy to talk without thinking. I mean, you go, for example, just to use as an illustration, you go into a scenario where a person is hurting. So somebody who's just been through a breakup, somebody who's just lost a job, somebody who is in hospital with uh, whatever particular illness or perhaps awaiting the results of tests. Or, of course, the most extreme example is somebody who suffered a loss, God forbid, and is now in the mourning period. And you, you, I don't know, we often see people in that context, perhaps it's because they don't know what they should say, land up saying all kinds of things that are just wrong, shouldn't be said there. And maybe you have a story like that that you could share, obviously with no names, but maybe you've seen that experience where people in an environment where a person has, as it is, uh, pain, whether that be physical pain, psychological pain, um, grieving, and people walk into that space and they just say things that exacerbate the pain. They just say things which are wrong. They're, 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 or I don't know, wrong is maybe not the, the fairest way to say it, but inconsiderate or out of place or inappropriate. So to say that we should have some kind of filter over what comes out of our mouths I think that's a very, very important point, something that we should be trying to instill in our children, something we should be conscious of ourselves. I wonder if part of it has to do with the society that we live in. We're exposed to a lot of language, much more, I suppose, than people would have been exposed to 100 years ago, certainly 200 years ago. In other words, before there was such a thing as media, the only interaction really that happened, speaking interaction, was with your close circle. It was people who lived in the same townlet as you lived in. If you were the the outlier who actually traveled and went to, to other places and were exposed to other people. So perhaps you got to see other things and perhaps you got to hear a different way of speaking. And if you think of it in a Jewish context, in the shtetl, the way of speaking was a Jewish way of speaking, which of course was a language based. So people would have spoken Yiddish or Hebrew or Ladino or Aramaic, depending, I suppose, on what stage it was in the development of, of uh, Jewish history. But it's not only about the language, it's about the kind of terminology technology that they would use, what would be acceptable to say, what would be unacceptable to say. And then, of course, when people left that shtetl and they went into a different environment, there were other things that perhaps were acceptable in the big cities. It's a way that you could talk in the big city that was not necessarily acceptable back in the shtetl. And today we've got the reverse. Today it's not like we live in some kind of a an enclosed, cloistered environment and the world is out there. In today's reality, the world comes into our space. So in our own homes, we're hearing people use terminology and speak in a way that we 
no is not the correct way to speak. So maybe that's part of it. Maybe we've become a little bit less sensitive to what words can do. Perhaps we think that it's fun to use disparaging expressions. I see that sometimes with couples. They say that it's a very unhealthy thing in a relationship when couples ridicule each other. I mean, it's quite logical that it's uh, that it's a bad thing to do. I mean, how's their value in a couple ridiculing each other? I mean, that's just ridiculous. But it happens, and it happens quite a lot. So words should be, I like that thinking, words should be something that is uh, checked and rechecked before it comes out of our mouths. It's how it should be. It's not necessarily how it is. But, yeah, let's uh, let's talk about this. Let's talk about words. And I think the, the other side of the argument that's coming through over here, there are a few people saying this. Uh, here's David saying, uh, going back to the point about words being hurtful, David says, only if you let them. So there's another side of the story, right? Is the onus all on the speaker or is the onus also on the, the listener? Uh, as I say, I think everybody would agree that there could be really, really hurtful things that people could say and it could really, really have long-term damage. A person who's told from a young age that they are lacking in some way or another, that they're not intelligent, that they're lazy, that they are insensitive. I mean, any of those labels that are put onto people at a young age might stick and that could become the definition of who that person is for the rest of their lives. So words are extremely powerful. And then you get people come along and say, as David has just said, yes, but that's only if you give permission, right? Nobody can hurt you. What's the expression? Nobody can hurt you without your permission. Well, physically, they certainly can. I mean, a person could take a stick and literally hit somebody else. And there's not a whole lot that they can do to defend themselves unless, of course, they, they have the skills with which to defend themselves. Whereas words, words we I suppose the same thing, right? We need to have tools. We need to be able to, to protect ourselves. But here are people saying, well, David at least is saying that you need to decide whether or not you allow words to hurt you. So we can talk about this, I suppose, from two perspectives. We can talk about it from the perspective of what you say and what kind of responsibility do you have around what you say. And we can talk from the perspective of how you hear what's being said and what responsibility you have to take around how much you take it to heart, how much you allow it to get to you, how much you take it seriously. You know, the people who shoot their mouths off, and it might be that there's all kinds of garbage that comes out of their mouth, doesn't necessarily mean that you should be taking it seriously. I mean, if it has no basis, then then get over it. I mean, not get over it. Chill. Don't, don't let it get to you. And what would you tell your child? Let's put it in that context, because that's often an, an, an insight into how we really think. What would you tell your child if somebody had to say something to them that was really hurtful? If somebody had to say something to them that made fun of them, what would you tell your child? Would you say that person is a bad person or are you then perpetuating the same problem? Because now you're starting to say things which are hurtful or negative. And of course, speaking negatively is in itself a, uh, um, not a healthy thing to do, even if it's apparently in the right context. So let's talk a little bit more about that. Three four five one nine. If you've got an SMS comment, otherwise WhatsApp oh six two one four eight two three seven four. Join Rabbi Ari Shishler for some fresh thinking every Thursday from two to three p.m. One hundred one point nine High FM, one hundred one point nine megahertz of power. Okay, so talking as we are about talking, think words. We all understand the power of words. We all understand the effects that words could have on a person. Not only could have, do have. We all know this from our own experience that words do have an impact on a person. So there's a certain responsibility that we have around how we talk. 
we have a, a certain responsibility in terms of what we say and how we express the things that we say. We also have a certain responsibility in terms of how we listen or what we listen to or how much we allow it to play on our minds. So where does the main responsibility lie? I wonder, what would you think is the main responsibility with the person who is speaking or is the main responsibility with the person who is listening? Uh, here's somebody else. Glynis says, painful words stay with you for a long time. They take longer than bruises to heal. And we do know that. We do know that that is true. I think we have to also, let's, let's try. And when I say that sticks and stones might break my bones, but words will never harm me. Let's try, try and take it out of the context only of words that are meant to hurt. So there are, for example, insults. We understand that that's something that you're not supposed to do from a Jewish perspective. You're not supposed to insult somebody else. No value in it. Uh, why would you do it? But what other kinds? Let's think. What other kinds of speaking? Are there that you think would not be kosher? I was, I was, I was hoping we'd get some kind of a list, but instead I'm just getting uh, people commenting, oh, that, which is fine, commenting on whether words can be harmful or not. I am very clear that they can be harmful and sometimes really, really are harmful. So what else besides insulting or speaking negatively about somebody else? What else could you uh, could you say would be a bad way of speaking? Here's Talia saying that harsh words can do a lot of damage and never be taken back. Now, there's an interesting thing about words. You actually can't unsay something. That's something really important. You know, when we talk, for example, about Loshan Hora, and we do talk a lot about Loshan Hora. Hopefully, we talk more about Loshan Hora than we actually talk Loshan Hora. Uh, Loshan Hora, of course, being when you share factual information with some kind of malicious intent or some kind of negative intent. So, in other words, what you're saying is true, but the information about the particular person is negative information. And, of course, you can't claim that you've got good intentions if what you're sharing is negative information. And you certainly cannot justify it by saying, but it's true. So one of the things that we always say about Lashon Hara is that once the words are out there, you really, really can't put them back. You can't unsay something. I mean, you'll know this from your own experience. If you've ever had a conflict with somebody, even if you kiss and make up, if there were very hurtful words that were shared during the course of that conflict, you can't make them go away. There's no kind of formula that we can use that dissolves hurtful words. They're there. They're in your psyche. They're in your heart. They're in your head, especially when it's something that's said to a person either when they're vulnerable or when they're young and impressionable because those words somehow find their way into a very deep part inside of you. And it's hard, hard stuff to be able to let that move on, to be able to let that go away. So, yeah, definitely agree with the fact that you can't unsay what you've said, as uh, Talia just pointed out. It was a very, very uh, valuable point. Here is Mendy saying, sticks and stones will break my bones, but words may send me to therapy. Well, if you go to therapy, that's probably already a good start because it means that a person has the opportunity to actually deal with and confront their stuff. I think the problem with words sometimes is that a person, when they hear those words, especially if they're younger, don't necessarily realize that the words are actually harmful. They just think, well, this is the fact. This is what they've said about me. And and. In a moment, we'll talk about an, a great example of that, about the facts and what kind of impact it has. But I think let's try and create. Can we do this together? Let's try and create a little bit of a sense from a Jewish point of view, what kind of speaking is not acceptable. And if possibly even we can make a hierarchy of it. So what kind of speaking? What, what's the first thing that comes to your mind or, or the first bunch of things that come to your mind that are things a Jewish person has to try to avoid to say?
Right? What are those? What what would those things be? I think prize number one would probably go to Loshan Horror because everybody talks about it a lot, and we know that it's a really really big deal, and unfortunately a very pervasive part of society is that people speak negatively about people, um, which is. Is, that is what Lashon Hora is. It's about speaking negatively about other people, even if the information that you're sharing is accurate. So Lashon Hora might very well take first prize as the absolute no-no. Jews should not do this. What else? What other kind of speaking do you think, from a Jewish point of view, is not kosher? Um, it should be interesting because I imagine that different people will have different perspectives on what is just, so to speak, universally not nice, but perhaps not illegal according to Judaism. So what, what would Judaism say? What, would, what kind of speaking would Judaism say that you should not partake in or you should not use, you should not say? Um, yeah, still a few other comments coming through about the power of words, and, and that just proves my point that words are really, really powerful. So, so what should we not say? What should we avoid? We should avoid Loshon Hara. Okay, we got that one. We all know that that's really, really not easy. Uh, dishonesty. I think we all know that we need to avoid dishonesty. So let's put that one on the list. We've got two, two so far on the list, two kinds of speaking. That I think everybody will agree belong on the list from a Jewish perspective of what a Jew should not say. What else? What else goes onto that list? That um, <laughs> very, very interesting tweet that's just come through. Let's just uh, take this for one second. So here's Tzvi saying on Twitter, says, uh, this is in response to the earlier remark about sticks and stones will break my bones, but wounds will never harm me. He says, that's the sort of thing that becomes true if you believe it. So what are you exactly suggesting? Are you suggesting that if a person believes that words cannot harm them, then they won't harm them? That might be a very healthy perspective, right? If we could somehow build people up to a point where they believe that words can't harm them, maybe that will give them the immunity that they need. Because a lot of people seem to feel that words are really, really hurtful. Some uh, one-word responses coming through over here, but it just in, you know kind of carries through the theme that words are really hurtful. So words can be damaging. We understand that. Loshan horror, insult, that's definitely something that's come through. So insulting is not a way to speak. Um, Loshan horror is not a way to speak. Dishonesty, lies, not a way to speak. What else? What else should a Jewish person not be saying? And perhaps if you've got a little bit more to add to that, you can say not only what, but you might also want to say why. Why should Jews not say these things? What's the impact? Is the... Is the impact just on the other person? Let's use insulting as an example, right? So if you insult somebody, we all know exactly what's going to happen. That person is going to be hurt. And we all know that as far as the Torah is concerned, we're not allowed to hurt other people, whether it be physically, emotionally, psychologically, whatever it is. We're not allowed to hurt other people. So if the person's going to be hurt, then it's really clear. Don't say it if it's going to, if they're going to be hurt. But my question is, is the impact only on the other person or is the impact on you as well? The Talmud says when it comes to Losh and horror, when it comes to speaking negatively about people, then the person, the victim, is obviously hurt because they are being exposed and the stuff about them is being shared by the people. The person who tells the story, according to the Talmud, is also hurt at the same time because they are obviously in a, in a bad space spiritually if they feel that it's acceptable to go around banding about things that are bad about other people. And the listener... The listener is also hurt because he's created the stage 
He's allowed the opportunity and he's lent a listening ear. And of course, we all know how this is. A gossip is not a gossip without an audience. You know, if, if nobody's interested in your story, why on earth would you share your story? So we've got so far three things on the list, right? That a Jewish person should not say, should not speak Russian horror, should not tell a lie, and you should not insult other people. What else? What else would go into the list? And perhaps we can even get some kind of a hierarchy going. I don't know. Maybe that's higher grade. Uh, get some kind of a hierarchy, some, some kind of precedence. Which one of the bad ways of speaking would be the one that you're supposed to do your best to overcome? I don't know if it's even fair to ask that kind of a question. Uh, here's Rene. Rene says, according to what I've read, we are not even allowed to speak to each other in a horrible tone of voice. We have to treat each other with love and respect. Yeah, well, I think, uh, Rene, I think that's according to what I've learned as well. Don't speak in a horrible tone of voice to people. Um Sometimes you could do it without the horrible tone of voice and it could be just as painful. 2.30 it is here on Thursday. Fresh thinking time you are with Rabbi Shishla and taking your thoughts on SMS line 34519 on the WhatsApp line 061-2374. You could tweet as a number of people are doing at Chai FM or directly at Rabbi Shish. I'd like to hear what you think about words. What are the things that you should really, really never say? You don't have to give exact examples, but what's the kind of speaking that the Torah would expect us to avoid? While you're thinking about that, he has a message for the ladies. Are you bored with your regular exercise routines? The thump, thump, thump as your feet hit the treadmill Oh, and your knees, your painful knees after the workout. Well, it's time to consider Bounce Fit, which is an exercise class conducted on giant trampolines. Sounds different. If you are interested in being part of the Chai FM Bounce Fit Ladies Challenge, email kathy at chaifm.com for details. I don't know if a lot of people, I'm sure, when they hear the word exercise, that's it. They think bad word should not be said. Right here we are. We're talking about things that should not be said. Some people say exercise. The word should not be used. It's depressing for people. So what have we got so far? You should not speak lotion horror. You should not speak badly towards other people, insulting people. You should not speak dishonestly. Here's another one that's just come through. You should not speak negatively now negatively doesn't necessarily mean to the person it could be in about a situation and it happens a lot right to be pessimistic in your speaking the talmud spends quite a lot of time on that about how important it is not to say things in a negative way not to speak negatively not to pronounce negatively like oh i know everything is going to go wrong the talmud speaks about a principle called called which basically means don't say things negative because that gives energy to that negativity and things might in fact go in that direction we know that euphemism is something which is used throughout the torah writings very very often it's used because we prefer not to and we're encouraged and we're trained not to speak negatively so it's not only about speaking badly about people or towards other people but generally speaking not to speak negatively not to speak gloomy outlooks and ah, the world's going down the tubes and where are we headed and what kind of a country is this and what kind of leadership do we have and the prices are too high you know how it is all the things that we always say and people often 
will argue and say, well, well, what you want me to do, this is the reality. This is what we confront. So why not speak about it? I'm not saying don't speak about it, but there's a way. There's a way to speak about it. And in fact, that's, that's a very, very fascinating insight that we are going to talk about in a moment about different people. Let's, let's use some biblical examples of people and how they spoke and what the results were. So maybe you have a thought of where we could start. I could think of a few biblical examples of people who spoke and the Torah says they spoke out of turn and there was fallout. Out. And each one of those stories, bear in mind, the Torah never tells us stories just to entertain our children on a Friday night or perhaps as a bedtime story. The, the Torah tells us stories because every one of them is a lesson embedded in a story. So if there are stories about people who spoke and they, they seem to have spoken out of turn and there was some kind of fallout because they spoke out of turn, then that's got to grab our attention. We're going to say, hang, hang on a second. So let me now look at that particular style of talking. What's the lesson? What am I supposed to learn from that? What What am I supposed to avoid in my way of speaking? Okay, so what have we got? We've got so far Losh and Hora. We've got speaking in an insulting way to another person. We've got uh, lying. We've got speaking negatively. Tracy has just sent in an SMS to, saying tail-bearing. Tail-bearing, interestingly enough, does not necessarily land up being the same thing as Lashon Hara. So I'm glad that you brought that up. And Tracy's SMS continues, wrongdoing someone through speech. Well, I think all the examples that we're dealing with are where a person would wrong somebody else through speech, except, I suppose, if you're speaking negatively in general terms, like negative about the country, negative about the world, negative about the financial outlook, or whatever the case is. That may not be about an individual. And nevertheless, it's something that the Torah doesn't like. The Torah is not in favor of speaking negatively, even about a negative situation. But tail Tailbearing. Tracy's just mentioned tra- tailbearing, and I think it's important that we understand the difference between that and Lashon Hara. See, implicit in the, in the word Lashon Hara, you hear the word Ra, which means bad. In other words, there's some kind of bad result that you're looking for. So it's the bad of a person's character, behavior that you're now peddling, or it could be something that people did not necessarily know about, and you want to highlight the negative about another person. Even if you don't intend to be completely malicious, you just want to be the life of the party because people are going to listen to you because you've got the you've got the goods, you've got the the real juicy stuff that would be considered as Losh and Hora. Tail bearing might be something a little bit different. And I wonder if Tracy means to relate that to a word that the Torah calls Rechilos, which is essentially peddling information, just going around telling people, did you hear? Did you hear? Did you hear? It's not necessarily, did you hear what happened? And it was so horrific and it was so terrible and that person should be locked away. But it's like, did you hear what happened here? Did you hear what happened there? Sort of what we would call casual conversation. So if we can pick out maybe some biblical examples of people who spoke out of turn and there was fallout from the way that they spoke, it might help us to understand uh, what's not acceptable, what's not acceptable as a way of speaking um, and exactly how we would define all of these things. So here's one. Here's one that we just read about recently in the Torah, and that's the issue that arose between Miriam. I'm talking now biblical Miriam. I'm talking about the Jews in the desert. Miriam and her brother, of course, the famous Moses. And what happens in a nutshell is Moses and his wife, Zipporah, land up separated. And Miriam, the older sister, Moses' older sister, he says, you know, they, they separated. This is just not on. It's just not on. And she immediately takes action. and She goes to her other brother, to Aaron, and says, listen, this is what's happening. This is what's happening. Our brother has separated from his wife, and that's not acceptable. Judaism is completely opposed to anything that would interfere between marital harmony. Something's wrong with this picture. And, and, and what, what are we going to do about it kind of thing? 
And the Torah tells us that no sooner does she have this conversation with her brother, God summons all three of them, Moses, Aaron, Miriam, and he gives this very interesting insight into who Moses is. And, and it effectively turns out that Miriam did not have malicious intentions. She was just misguided. She did not appreciate the extent of the greatness of her brother. She didn't understand the depth of his prophecy. She didn't appreciate the level of his connection to God. That was just such a tight and, and unbreakable connection that it actually overrode everything else, including his own family setup. Which is totally rare It is so rare that no other person in history Was ever entitled to behave that way But what's interesting about it is that you see that First God berates Miriam But you also see that he then punishes her That's how it would appear to us I mean she's struck She's what do they say? Stricken with Tsaras, which was that biblical skin disease The result of which is isolation from the community She lands up being an outcast for a week and all of that for what? What did she? What did she actually say that was wrong? She didn't lie because the the case that she presented was factual, so she didn't lie. She didn't say anything insulting, so she didn't, for example, say that her brother was a bad person for his decision. She, um, she it wasn't really technically loshen horror because. What her intention was Was not to expose the bad about her brother It was to come up with some kind of a solution And of course we understand that In a situation where you can solve a problem You can't then call it Loshan Hore If your intention is to solve the problem So what exactly was going on over here And why does God Hold her accountable For what would appear to be An ordinary interaction Between family members Trying to deal with a problem That seems to have arisen in their family I mean something that should make us all think twice right? Before we speak among ourselves So there's an interesting one Biblical story And it doesn't quite fit into any of the nice Neat categories of what we know absolutely is bad to do So it then begs the question So what's bad about it And if the Torah tells me the story Then it's obviously telling the story Because I, I, I must do this I, I obviously do it Otherwise the Torah wouldn't feel the need to address it So we, we've got to work that one out So there's a great biblical example Perhaps you can come up with another biblical example Of someone or it doesn't have to be an individual it could be a group of people Who spoke in an inappropriate way So the story would have to entail speaking It would have to entail criticism Of the way that they spoke It would have to entail some kind of fallout For the way that they spoke What would you say? What uh, what other biblical stories? Because those stories are there to teach us If we want to know how it is that we should speak And, how it, and, and what we should not be saying That is absolutely 100% our first point of call So let's look at those stories Who else can we think of? Who spoke negatively We know that there were people Who tried to entice other people To do bad things That we know We know that there were people Who had direct conflicts So perhaps they will find words That uh, that are inappropriate words And there was a fallout from them uh, What else? What else can we come up with? Um, let's try and paint A little bit of a picture over here We don't have enough time In an hour to go through Every scenario But a little bit of a picture And hopefully from that We can establish What kind of speaking Is the kind of speaking That Judaism is Completely opposed to We know that there's Lush and horror On that list We know that there is um, We know that there is Lying on that list In fact somebody's just sent Exactly that Thou shalt not bear False witness against thy neighbor I don't know why people feel They have to say thy It's okay we, 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 We're okay with <laughs> Modern English translations um, So we know that What else What else could we work out as an inappropriate way of speaking, I'd love to hear your thoughts on three four five one nine or on oh six two one four eight twenty three seventy four. Join Rabbi Ari Shishler for some 
Fresh Thinking every Thursday from 2 to 3 p.m. 101.9 High FM, 101.9 megahertz of power. Okay, so a couple of uh, examples starting to come in. My question was, can you think of biblical examples of people who spoke out of turn and then there was some kind of fallout? So uh, now, now the messages are coming fast and furious. Not all of them only about this particular topic, also about what we said right at the beginning, sticks and stones. A lot of activity happening over here on Twitter. Um, Hillel saying words of more power to harm and for a longer period of time. Yes, I do think that that's true. person can kind of fix a, a bruise quicker than they can fix an insult. Interesting point. So uh, examples, can we find some biblical examples? Because that will help us to understand what it is that we should not be doing. So here we've got one person sending in Bilam, but with a, with a bit of a caveat, says, Bilam, I think. <laughs> well, yes, you're right. Bilam is, is a great example. Bilam cursed. So there you have it. Bad way to speak. The Torah makes a big deal about it. There's fallout. Bilam at the end ends up being killed by the same Jewish nation that he thought that he could destroy. And the, it's a very obvious lesson, right? Don't speak don't curse and cursing of here doesn't mean swear words as they call it in america they call that cursing cursing literally means wishing somebody else bad well it should be quite obvious to us that that is no good according to judaism but somebody else has sent in one over here which is the spies now anybody remember that story of the spies so there's 12 spies it's actually what we're going to read in this week's Torah reading so clearly that's on top of mind for uh, whoever sent in that message So we're going to read this coming Shabbos About the spies Moses decides And possibly because it was from the the request of the people Or it was possibly Moses' own initiative As Rashi would s- seem to imply uh, Anyhow, so he sends these 12 spies To check out the land of Canaan And they're supposed to come back and explain Strong points, weak points What kind of potential the land has, etc They go they spend 40 days, so it's a fair amount of time to get to see the land. Um, I know for me, I wouldn't mind going for 40 days to check out the land of Israel right now. It would be quite a lack of thing to do. And they come back, and we know that their report is very negative. And it starts a whole chain reaction. So the people listen to them, and they say, that's it. We'll never be able to get to the promised land. The whole thing was a fantasy. It's not going to happen. And they break down, and they start crying. And then the next level of the chain reaction is God says to them, I can't believe this. Why don't you trust in me? You don't, you know. And the, the net result is that the spies die in the most horrific way except for the two who did not get waylaid by that whole debacle, and that's Joshua and Caleb. They survive, and they're becoming, in fact, the next generation of leadership in the Jewish community. But those 10 spies who spoke negatively about the land, they land up dying in a horrific way. The people who are affected by what they have to say and believe that the land is impermeable, those people land up never making it to the land. They die out in the desert, and the innocents which is basically the women and the children, they land up, and the tribe of Levi, they land up getting delayed. I'm sorry, they land up getting delayed for 40 years. Can you imagine that? They didn't even do anything wrong. And all because of what somebody said, or what 10 people said. 10 people out of a population of close to 3 million? That's quite something. And everybody suffers because of what somebody spoke, what somebody said. So that's quite concerning. And I think if we examine that particular story, we'll have a tremendous insight 
into how careful we should be about what we say. Mike's just sent in a WhatsApp, says Miriam spoke against Moshe. That's correct. We've already mentioned that one, uh, but you do admit that you've just tuned in, so that's fine. And the other is Korach against Moshe. Now, Korach, that's a great example. So Korach, we're going to read about that, not this coming Shabbos, but next Shabbos, there you've got it again. Here's somebody who's a rabble rouser. He goes... Between people in the community says what's going on over here Moses has taken the, the whole leadership for himself It's an nepotistic system He is the leader His brother is the Kohen Gadol They've just appointed another family member into the, in, into the leadership So there you have it The danger of speaking And, and you'll see that there's a certain theme actually Between all these three stories Between the st- story of Miriam Talking about her brother The spies talking about the land And Korach talking against the leadership of Moshe. You could look into the story and find the negative, but in each case, and if we we had the opportunity to actually study this thoroughly, we we, would do so. But in each case, if you examine the story just with a little bit of attention, you will notice that the problems arise earlier on in the conversation. In other words, before they get to the place or to the point where they start to speak negatively. So in the case of Miriam, she actually doesn't speak negatively. She just relays the information that she had heard to her brother. There's no judgment. There's no, I mean, it's not explicit judgment. So it's just about relaying information. In the story of the spies, what we see is that they come back and they give their report, which is exactly what they had been asked to do. They give their report. It's a factual report. And then after having given their report, then they start to add in perspective. And their perspective is, this is not doable. It's not going to happen. We've been led up the garden path, and there's no way that we can access the land of Israel. So you could say, ah, there, there, there's the problem. Buzz them out. That's where the problem happened. You were not supposed to now give your opinion. What's interesting is that if you read the story, you'll see that they get interrupted by Caleb, who's one of the 12 spies, who does not believe in their pessimism. And he tries to cut them off before they get to the point of saying how bad things are when they're still in the process of the factual description of the lands. That is interesting. And what you'll find with Korach as well is Korach essentially it sounds like all he wants is transparency. It sounds like all he wants is he's got a, an aspiration. He would love to be part of that higher echelon of spiritual service. You could look at Korach and say he's just a rogue and he wants to throw off the authority of Moses. But if you read it a little bit more carefully, it doesn't sound like that's his motivation. So what's similar in all three cases is that in all three cases, the problem seems to be about speaking per se, even before it becomes toxic speaking. And there's a really important lesson in that. The important lesson is that probably one of the most common things that happens in the context of our social interaction with other people is speaking for the sake of speaking. We call it making conversation or making the evening interesting. Think about this. A Friday night table would be a great example because what should happen at a Friday night table, I mean, after all, Friday night is Shabbos. It's supposed to be a spiritual time and it's supposed to be a time of family togetherness and it's supposed to be a time that is upbeat and it's supposed to be a time that is connected to God. And in reality, what happens often at a Friday night table is because all week long we're so busy and distracted and disjointed as a family, 
come together on Friday night and it's a wonderful opportunity to, so to speak, make a conversation, either with your own family or with your guests or whoever happens to be there. And that conversation meanders to all kinds of places and there isn't necessarily a plan, there isn't necessarily a strategy, there isn't necessarily a goal. And as the classic Yogi Berra quote goes, if you don't know where you're going, you're going to land up somewhere else. So if you don't know that you're going towards the Shabbos experience, but you're just going to make conversation around the table or alternatively, you're out with friends and there's no kind of, you don't really, which it's maybe a tall order to expect that you'll have some kind of goal and aspiration for what you're going to talk about when you go out with a friend casually. But the reality is that what happens is conversation just flows. And like water, if conversation flows, it might go who knows where. If there's no channel to guide it, it might land up who knows when. That's exactly what happens with conversation. A lot of the trouble with how we talk starts in a place where the talk per se is actually not yet unhealthy. It starts in a place where the talk is just that. It's talk. And we probably underestimate how cautious we have to be about, so to speak, just talk. About the kind of things that people say, which they feel are just ordinary things. Just conversation. There's something to reflect on. I'd like to know if you've got a thought on that on 34519 or WhatsApp on 0621482374. Join Rabbi Ari Shishler for some fresh thinking every Thursday from 2 to 3 p.m. 101.9 High FM, 101.9 megahertz of power. So that should be food for thought or maybe more correctly food for thinking uh, for speaking i should say <laughs> that really didn't come out right did it food for speaking because uh, very often we are clear on the fact that if you're going to say something that's not true if you're going to lie that's no good and we're very clear that if you're going to speak lost and horror that's no good and we're very clear that if you're going to speak insultingly or disrespectfully or rudely that's not okay but we're not necessarily so clear about how we land up in that place in the first place. In other words, we don't recognize necessarily that once conversation flows without guidance, without a purpose, without some kind of a goal, then what happens is it lands up going all over the place. And before we know it, it lands up in the wrong places. So take, for example, the spies, because they're really Clear example. Well, let's start with Miriam as actually as an example. So Miriam has an issue with her brother because she feels that her brother is undermining his marriage, and that's the poor example for the leader of the Jewish people. Okay, you have a very valid point, Miriam. The correct thing to do then is go speak to your brother, to Moses. The convoluted route through Aaron, although you could say that she probably had the right intentions. Let's consult. Maybe I'm overreacting, that kind of thing. If you know with absolute certainty inside of yourself that that is the case, then by all means. But Miriam was not one of these people who had to doubt herself. She was a very focused person from a very young age, by the way. We know this about her. From a very young age, she had a clear head. She knew what was right. She knew what she wanted. She knew how she was supposed to behave in a situation. So she should have gone directly to her brother. And we do that a lot. So instead of going to the person who we have a beef with, we talk around it. Oh, you don't understand what I'm going through right now. I've got this person in my life and the way they're behaving, bloody, 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 blah. And it could be your partner. It could be your spouse. It could be your school. It could be your community leadership. It could be a family member. It could be a friend. It could be anybody. Once we get into that space that we're talking about people or talking about situations, it's so narrowly close to speaking negatively. That's what happened with the spies. They come back and they have to report about the land. Correct. That's what you're supposed to do. Then report. 
don't start with a whole story, which is what they did. He has a whole story. You don't understand. We went to this place, and there were people there, and they were dying, and then we saw giants and whatever. Just, just factually, this, this is how big the land is. This is what the climate appears to be. These are the arable areas and non-arable areas. We think that this is a good place to set up our initial city. This is the kind of military might that the inhabitants have. This is the nature of the people as far as we could tell. So this is you know, how we're going to go about conquering it. But the moment you get into the place of talking about, you know, you don't have to understand what I went through, what I saw, what I experienced, what they did, what they said. Before you know it, you land up as the spies did with all kinds of really negative things coming out or as Korach did. So Korach has his wife on his case saying, you know, what is this? You're from the same family as Moses. Why don't you also take a leadership position? He's kept it all for himself and the immediate cousins and you kind of left out and you're the poor cousin, blah, blah. What happens? Instead of having the conversation directly with somebody who could help, with somebody who could explain, they have the conversation within the context of the family. Before you know it, it spirals out of control and you have a scenario of a full-blown revolution against Moses. So it's a, it's a really good lesson. We all know that words are very powerful. We know that they can do terrible destruction and devastation, but not just to the person they're said to. Sometimes the knock-on effect is immense, like in the case of the spies. We have millions of people suffering because of the words of 10 people. And so a really good lesson for us, it applies in words that you say, in words that you write, and certainly in words that you type, especially if you're going to put them into a public forum. Always, always ask, what is the purpose? Is the purpose of me saying this to get something off my chest, to gain attention, or to have an impact? And if I want to have an impact, is this the best way to have an impact? And hopefully with that kind of an attitude, we can actually speak in a more healthy way and impact the world in a more beneficial way. Have a wonderful Shabbos and a great week ahead.